0: We are back into the heart of clinic season and last clinic season, we heard some great stuff from coaches of every level. And today I pulled out some clips, some of the best things I heard on how to run a room, on how to run your meetings. And I think what these coaches have to share here will help you as you prepare for your meetings for 2022. Let's start with Retired NFL coach, Dante Scarnecchia. he spent 34 years with the New England Patriots. 19 of those were with Bill Belichick. And he talks about some things he's learned over time, especially in regard to the meeting room.
1: Okay. I think the two most important things we do in a day with our players, number one, our position meetings, and number two, the time on the practice field during the day. Okay, those are the two most important things we do with the players. And so they gotta be really good. Both those things have got to be really good. Okay. Players, I think players appreciate a coordinated and well-run meeting. Okay. What you get out of your position meetings is directly proportionate to what you put into. How well you plan them out, how well you prepare for them, the way you set them up, the way you structure them. All those things will determine what the player gets out of a meeting, and I think the players really appreciate, as I said, a well-coordinated, well-run meeting. Uh, I want to talk about this for just a second, and it was an, uh, an epiphany for me, and something that I, you know, didn't hit me until the last four years I coached, and I could have done a lot better job in the previous 44 if I would have done this. But when I came back to the Patriots after being retired for two years. I think Dave DiGuglielmi, I don't know if it was him that did it, but he coached the offensive line when, before I came back. When I walked into the meeting room, what I saw was that the teaching station that I would use as a coach was in the front of the room. And right behind me was the video screen, the monitor, that the, or the video screen, that the players who sat in front of me were all looking at. But I had the monitor on my desk with the telestrator, where I could look and use the telestrator to make my points as I was teaching the players that were right in front of me, okay? Now, think about when you're in the back of the room and you're looking, everybody's looking at the same screen, but all you're ever seeing out of the players is the back of their heads. And some of those suckers can sleep without you knowing it, okay? Matt Light, God love them. That sucker can sleep, sleep sitting straight up with his head straight. I don't know how he did it, okay? But I couldn't see it. So my point point is, the way that my meeting room was configured the last four years, I could teach, I could get my eyes off the the monitor to the players, back and up, down and up. It was, and, and I always had their attention and they couldn't sleep, they couldn't relax. I could and more importantly than that, for me personally, and I'm sure you all have real have have realized this as especially guys that have been coaching a long time. There's certain guys in your meeting room, or what, or who I call the validators. Okay, they are guys that they are they are totally focused into what you're saying. And there ain't many of them now. There's probably about two or three, maybe four guys if you're lucky. But the validators in that meeting room for me are the guys when I'm making points that I want them to all understand, they're the guys that are looking at you and they're going like this. They're nodding their head yes because they got it. I understand what you're saying, coach. I'm going to make sure that this gets done gets done right on the field. And I'm going to make sure the guys around me are doing it exactly the way you want it done. They're the validators. But I also know this. And, and as you're able to see them from a, frontal position, if they're doing this and looking at the guys next to them, they ain't getting what you're saying. And I'm going to be blunt here. That's what I call that all fucked up look, because, you know, you aren't aren't making the point clear enough for them. And so so I would invariably, when I saw that, I would say, okay, I'm not saying something right here because you guys aren't, you know, I can see that, you know, this isn't coming through. And it was the greatest way for me to make sure that, you know, that all those most difficult things that I had to make sure that they understood, they got. Okay? So if you have the capability of doing, and I know not everyone does, but if you have the capability and the resources to work your meeting room in that way, I don't think you'll ever regret it because I know it was hugely beneficial for me. I think that the usage of training tapes and cut-ups whether they're from games or practices, I think they're invaluable teaching aids. But I would say this about those, okay? If they involve the guys that are sitting in those seats that are watching this tape, those tapes, those guys will be awake and they'll be alert and they'll be really in tune to what you're talking about. If they're not in those tapes, their minds always have a tendency to wander. Not the validators, but a lot of those guys. So as much as you can keep them on those tapes, I think it'll, it'll serve you well. That old phrase about one pitcher is worth a 1,000 words, the more you can use cut-ups and, and practice tapes to make points, I think the better off you're going to be. I, want to, I think it's important to keep the players involved. When I had the ability to sit in front of the room, and, you know, and I learned this when I was in the Marine Corps, and, and I, I always try to get these guys to understand it. And, and they, they used to say, hey, look, it's the dumbest question. Is the one that's not asked, okay? And I think it's totally true. You get in there and you and you you know say, like, man, if I ask this question, he's going to think I am the dumbest guy that I ever was. And so you have to, if you say that to him, there are no dumb questions, and you can't laugh at him when they ask a dumb question, okay? And you got to say no, okay? You, you got to sue them and all the rest of it. But I would tell you this, and I've told the players this a hundred times, that you're going to ask a question. That there'll be five other guys in this meeting room that don't have the guts to ask, okay? Because they're gonna think that, you know, hey, I'm gonna insult, so, you know, my intelligence or the people around me or his intelligence if I ask this question, you know, because it's a dumb question. There are no dumb questions. And you gotta, you've gotta put that out to them so that they'll understand that, you know, it's wide open. Say whatever you wanna say, ask whatever you wanna ask. It's never gonna hurt anything. Look, at, not everyone has the resources that we have with the Patriots or that I've had in pro football or guys I've had in certain college situations. But look at those dry erase boards, those chalkboards, they all serve a purpose. The only thing I would say to you, if, you, if that's what you got, you got to make the most out of it. And so what I would always do with, when faced with having that situation, I'd put everything that I'm going to cover. If I had five chalkboards, it would, they were all full before the meeting started because I wanted to go ahead and go through everything, because I think guys see it, they write it, they say it, it's all visual, and I think it makes a hell of a lot of difference to them. I think daily position notes, I think game plan updates, I think, and especially during the season, I think those are all a must, okay? And I I look at, I know they take time, but it's worth the effort, okay? It's worth the effort. If it's important for you to write down and give to them, They'll understand that and they'll take it to heart. I think written tests are great teaching aids to see what a player knows, okay? And I, and I give a lot of written tests to them, especially in the spring and especially during training camp. And a lot of times I'll, make, uh, I'll give them all the tests and I'll say, hey, look, it, you guys got 20 minutes to get this done, okay? I want them all done in 20 minutes, but it can be collaborative. That is to say, you can talk about each question amongst yourselves. What greater way to get guys to communicate how to get things done? And believe me, your best players will be the ones that'll be that'll take over the room at that point. Well, your best players are guys that are going to be playing. And a lot of times they're going to be carrying guys that aren't as good mentally along with them. So, you know, it gives them a forum to open up on themselves and keep everybody on the same page, same page uh, relative to the system that you're trying to teach. The other thing I would say is, the test questions can be asked in either words or diagrams to me they're both perfect okay so you know if it's a two word answer great you know two blank spaces or if it's a diagram show me the blocking for this you know 64 protection 3 by 1 formation against this blitz okay and then most importantly it's a great word a great way they're great ways to get people to understand your call system but you have to call every block for this run, okay? And if it's not a collaborative test, that means that your center's got to know what the guard tackle call is, or the right tackle's got to know what the backside call is, on and on and on. But the more you put all of those things down, the more you learn them, and the better you ingrain everybody into your system and way of doing things, okay? Meeting time. I go 40 minutes. I'm not going any longer than that before taking a five-minute break okay i just you know i think you lose them after a certain point but i also say this when it's 40 minutes or up you got five minutes man i want everybody to on every seat in five minutes okay go get a cup of coffee something a bottle of water you know go to the bathroom if you got to go but we're starting in five minutes uh, as soon as that's over every once in a while i'm not going to say we do this all the time okay i will say all right everybody get up we're going in the weight room we're going to have a positional walk through on certain things okay and believe me, they were all valid. And it was, it was a good thing to do and change environment. And also, hey, fellas, believe me, there's some guys that learn uh, practically learning, you know, walking through than they do verbally learning. So I think it aids those guys as well. Uh, I believe this. And the final thing or one of the things you have to do in your position meetings is cover the things you want to do in practice. What are we going to do in these individual periods? What do we want to get done at these individual periods these are the position drills that we're going to run these are the techniques that we're going to run okay or that we're going to work on and then i think you got to tell you know show the depth chart every day show the rotation that you want to have during the course of practice between your first group your second group your third group if you're in training camp or between your fifth your five starters and your two substitutes that you're going to have for that week we only get seven guys when we go to every game fellas. So. You know, how are we going to rotate guys around for practice that day?
0: That one was from the Cool Clinic, which will be coming up here May 19th through the 21st. Another great lineup, which will be released here. But I can tell you we have John Gruden as a headliner talking about what he looks for when hiring an offensive line coach. Uh, We have Kevin Carberry from the world champion L.A. Rams. We have Matt Luke from national champion Georgia, and Marty Costello, the CFL champion. This next clip is from Buddy Blevins, which was from our virtual summit. And in this one, Coach Blevins talks about how he feels he needs to maximize the time in the meeting room.
2: So, moving forward here. Um, we're talking about individuals day. I, I can't stand the words everyday drills. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because I think it's a cop out. I think most coaches say, oh, you know, um, hey, just do our EDDs, throw our EDDs up there. Well, um, I don't think that's right. I think, board, I, and one thing that I learned from that, all that, that growth and all that um, learning that I did and, and I've continued to do since. Uh, has taught me that board players don't improve. Board players don't learn. Board people don't learn. Board people don't improve. So you have to find a way to to be able to repeat your techniques, repeat your drills, but also tweak them, make them a little bit different, and have um, different ways to organize them, which we'll get to. But uh, something that I did was individual time starts in the meeting room, guys. It's not something you just do when you get on the field. And I'll explain more of this. Uh, as we go through the slide. Um, but I also wanted to pick this topic because it's something that you guys can use right now. And I'm tired of listening to clinics where you can't use what they're giving you. Um, but also because any time is not, it's its important. It's, it's essential to your success and your player's success. So uh, the one thing that I adopted after that 2016 uh, nightmare was no wasted time. So when my players hit the meeting room, the first thing they did they had two options. They either had their metrics, all right, or they had their strip drills. Now, when I say, like, they would come into the room and I would either be writing things up or I'd be setting on my computer because I was a special teams coordinator or or what have you, Uh, but I didn't want guys milling around and just sitting or watching me draw something on the board, Um, but they would either have a stack of papers on a desk right in front of my uh, little control panel where I control the computer or they would have a bag of footballs and if they had the the stack of papers they would do what we call the metrics and then if they had the bag of footballs they would do our strip drills so the metrics and I'm about to show you that in the next slide um, but I think it's really important because it helps you tweak your individuals once you get out on the field and how you coach and teach your players Um, and I would try to alternate these if I had five days out of the week three of them would be metrics because I think that's more important and the other two would be strip drills. So the strip drills. This is all for second man in, all right? Because I, I got this uh, posed to me uh, by Coach Hammer at Oklahoma State, and he does an excellent job. But he was like, "How how often do you really practice stripping as a second man in? Because when it's four minute drill and the defense has to get the ball back, or any time in the game the defense has to get the ball back, you hear these coaches, and they're always saying, you know, we got to strip the ball, we got to get the ball back, we got to get the ball back." But like, when you really look at practice, how much do you actually do that, how much you actually strip the second man in, yeah, you might poke at the ball, but actually getting the ball out and poking at it are two very different things. But also we blow the whistle so fast, which I don't disagree with, that everybody's really just tagging on and maybe a punch is thrown at the ball here or there. So when you really think about it, you're really not ever practicing stripping as the second man in. So, what they would do is they would grab a football, they'd have a part, and they would work two different techniques. Um, One we call the pin and rip, and the other um, they call the pull and punch so that we were actually repping these things. And I'll show you guys some examples too here in a slide or two.
0: One of the things Coach Blevin does to maximize time in the meeting room and what he's getting out of his players, I like to equate to the same as bell work for a teacher at the beginning of a class. Though this is done... Before his meeting ever starts. So, as guys come into the room, they're not just gonna sit around. There's some things for them to do. He calls one player metrics, and the other one is actually getting into some of the drills that they work. Now, they're not very physical drills, but it puts a focus on some of the technique. And I think these are two outstanding things to really get these guys focused and thinking about all the things that they have to do, both on and off the field. So, let's take a listen to what Coach Blevins does with metrics in this next clip
2: so again back to the metrics it's the piece of paper they would have they put their name on it um we called it fuel It was an acronym um and then the first thing they would start with though is our attitude of gratitude they would write three things that they're thankful for in life um and you know you gotta you gotta tease it out of them guys you can't you can't let them say hey i'm thankful like i'm thankful for i'm breathing oxygen day, i'm thankful for shoes i'm thankful for a roof over my head because i'm telling you i get those all the time you gotta push them. Like guys, don't just say that. Tell me something you're thankful for, um, and you know you might get, hey, I got an A on my test. So now all of a sudden you're walking out to practice after buzzing through these. Um, right after the meeting's over, as you're getting your gear ready in your locker, you're walking out to practice, and you're giving this guy, you know, a, a nux because he got an A on his test. Now you're building how much you think, you know, grades are important, how much school is important. Or uh, you know, I had one young man that would say. I had a bunch of them they would say, hey, man, I had a great talk with, I'm thankful for the talk I had with my mom last night. And I, I'd you know, cruise by them, or if they came by my office, I, I'd say, hey, I'm glad you had a great talk with your, your mom last night, You know, what was it about? Or, and it, it helps you build in more ways to talk to these kids about not just football, about things that are actually important and going well in their life. And then the next thing is two things they're thankful for in football. Again, notice that we put life first, football second. Um, And this is, man, they may be riding the pine, man, but sometimes just a little, I'm thankful that I'm not here with my friends. That's all you need for a guy that's a backup to feel thankful because what you think about and you think about, you bring about. What you think about and you think about, you bring about. And these kids, it's it's important to build this into them. And I do this too. I do this every single day. I did it this morning. I write three things I'm thankful for about life, two things I'm thankful for about uh, my job, coaching. And then one thing I'm thankful for about my wife. And uh, I wanna make sure that, that they're never doing something that I'm not currently doing And a gratitude journal, which is really what you're having to do, is super important. And gives you a very important view into their life. Now, the next thing, this is super duper important for your individual drills. It's called FUEL, F equals focus on stress management. Scale of one to five. One, I'm feeling sad, I'm not really thinking about being happy, right? Happiness is not a destination, it's a way of life. It's not, something that you just, it's not something that you just get to where you're just this happy person all the time. It's something that you have to choose every day. So are they thinking about being happy or they haven't really thought about it? They just found themselves going through the motion. That's a one. Um, or they're feeling sad or down or depressed. Five, hey, I'm thinking about being happy every day. I'm in a good mood. I feel good. That's a five. Utilize recovery method, which is you, Hydrotherapy tissue regeneration. Yes or no? Did you do it? And then what type? Okay, um, e, eat whole healthy food. Scale one A at McDonald's. Um, six, I ate all the colors of the rainbow in the cafeteria. I had my vegetables, yada, yada, yada. Um, L, leave time for sleep. How much sleep did you get and how good was it? Um, e, eat breakfast. Did I eat breakfast or no, I didn't. D, drink a gallon of water. Do they ever drink a gallon of water? Probably not. You know, I've had two players that probably drink a gallon of water and one of them coaches with me now. Um, is our new uh, safety coach, but the rest of them, they don't, but guess what? They got to think look at that every day or every other day, and they're probably thinking about, man, I should probably drink more water, and like we all know how important hydration is to not only um, their recovery, but their overall health, so not getting sick as often, but you look at this, and you say, coach, how is this going to affect your individual time? Well, I'll tell you what, injuries uh, skyrocket with four or less or five or less hours of sleep. Like every 30 minutes you get less than five hours of sleep, your chances of getting injured um, improve exponentially. So I'll usually look at leave time for sleep and I'll say, okay, look at these guys. I'm not getting very much sleep. And guys, remember they're filling this thing out almost every day to every other day for years. So like the time for lying passes after like a month because they're doing it all the time. all of a sudden it becomes second nature. Okay, I didn't sleep that well, bang, bang, bang. And the key is, guys, you never talk to them about this other than those gratitude things. You Never like, hey, man, you need to get more sleep. You know, it may come to that, but usually that sleep is an indicator of something else. So, like, if guys are getting eight hours of sleep, man, I'm going to grind them, like, seven, eight hours of sleep, even six, I'm going to grind them an in individual. I'm going to treat them just like every day. But guys start to get less. Like, I got three or four guys with maybe three or four hours of sleep. I might alter my individuals so that they're not like a grindhouse. Instead, it'll be more mental. And then maybe the last period will be more of a high tempo so they get, their, get themselves warm for our team function next or seven on seven or nine on seven, or whatever the heck is next. Um, but I really take this into consideration because man, if these guys are complaining about being sore and tired and they are getting eight hours of sleep, like in training camp, when these guys are sleeping good amounts, man, I'm gonna push them. That's a great time to get these guys mentally tough but I also believe that there's a time where you have to mold and you can't lead everybody and do everything the same way every day. So I think I could not um, stress the importance and we went five years at UNC without uh, a major injury. And I, I think that this was a big part of it was being able to turn off and be able to adapt to my guys. And, and I might coach them a little bit different that day. That doesn't mean I pull a punch because I never believe you pull a punch. You're always honest with them, but you know, Uh, I had a kid that was low on the stress management and didn't sleep for like two or three days, had two or three hours sleep and said, what's wrong? His aunt had cancer, terminal cancer. And he didn't want to tell anybody, he didn't know who to tell. And I just pulled him in the office, said, hey man, what's going on? You know, is is everything okay? I didn't have to talk about the metrics and he just immediately said it. And uh, I think those things are really important that we understand what's going on with our guys before we just, you know, MF them or get on them. Um, So that's the metrics.
0: Rob Likens has been with a number of different programs and right now is the receivers coach at SMU. Along the way, he certainly has learned a lot about being a teacher and how you run a successful meeting room. And in this clip, he talks about what he feels are the pillars that are necessary to run a successful position meeting room.
3: Uh, Coaching the kids. There's so much more to coaching that I've discovered in 32 years of doing this. Um, than just the X's and O's and the football part. It's actually a really, really small part of being successful. Uh, Six times I've actually been with a new head coach going into a school, um, starting and setting a new culture. Uh, And so I've kind of seen a lot of things that work and, and what don't work. And so what I wanted to do is share with you guys a little bit of what I've learned over the last 30 some years of running Uh, rooms for you know receivers quarterbacks been an offensive coordinator at four different spots Um, and you know one of the great things about getting older one of the few things but good that uh, getting older is that uh, you gain some wisdom and some knowledge and it helps you so I just kind of wanted to go over a few things with you on that like running a room and getting the room straight when you first initially take over I think it's so important you know what is going to be your foundation? I know just like a lot of uh, you guys out there, I read a, a lot of leadership manuals, a lot of leadership books. Um, uh, I like listening to John Gordon, um, the Positive You um, podcasts, and all of that stuff. I think that's great. But really the best leadership model I've ever seen is in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I watch how Jesus related to people. Uh, and the three things I want to talk to you about getting the room right, number one, the foundation is Jesus always did a great job of communicating the truth with love. Those three things, Uh, being a great communicator, um, being truthful, and talking about loving the kids. Um, Communication, number one, guys, you got to be a great teacher. You got to be a great communicator because here's the deal. If you're a poor communicator or you communicate not enough, then the here of the things you're trying to communicate are left to filling all the blanks in with what they think. All right. And that's not what you want to happen, especially with a bunch of receivers, right? Um, You don't want those guys to constantly fill in the blanks and try to figure out what you're trying to convey to them. So that's like the number one thing, man is you have got to be a great communicator. you got to over-communicate. you got to tell them exactly in detail as much as humanly possible. Um, I think that's very important. And then I think, you know, telling the truth. I think the number one thing that destroys relationships um, is when one of the persons is not truthful and you lose trust. Uh, So it's very important that you create an environment where you're going to be... uh, truthful with the kids, they're going to be truthful with you, um, that sometimes those are very uncomfortable conversations, and, but you you definitely need to have them. Um, and what do I mean by that? Can a kid come up to me and say, coach, why am I not playing as much as this other kid? And I have got to be at that t- point in time, I got to be as brutally honest Um, as possible and I got to explain in great detail why he is not and sometimes those conversations aren't fun Um, and so I think it's very important and then also you know I think you have to create an environment where your players can be extremely truthful to you as well and come talk to you about about everything Um, and you know anything in the world And you should be able to um, have that relationship with those players where you tell them the truth. Um, and then love. And then I try to teach them what that means. And we're not talking about the the little, you know, feeling of love. We're talking about love as an action. And do I treat my players and do I give them the same consideration as I would my own son? And if I'm not doing that, then I really got to check my heart why I'm in this business. Um, and one thing about uh, that part is kids, uh, man, they're awesome, and they can sniff out a fraud uh, in a heartbeat. Um, I promise you that. And so they know they know if their position coach really loves them, um, if he's in it for for them, um, and not just in it to gain a, a paycheck and just win some football games and get a result and then go sign a million dollar uh, contract somewhere else. So, I mean, I think they need to understand um, how much you love them. I don't ever let my kids leave a meeting without me telling them I love them. Um, I talk to them on the phone every day. I tell them I love them. I tell them I love them when we walk off of the the football field and I can, I feel really good about that because they know um, that it's real and it's not just made up. So I think it's very important, you know, I, I wish I would had a PowerPoint, guys, but like I said, I haven't been able to even get to my office, man. Um, but communicate truth with love. I think those are the three pillars of getting your room straight, okay? I think that's like the, the number one thing, guys.
0: Receivers coach at Georgia Southern Isaiah Walker believes it's really about three things that you need to do to have a successful meeting room. So one is keeping it short. The other is making it about the players and really teaching. And the last is to set the tone. And he talks about those three things here.
4: All right. As far as meetings go, um, that's probably, that's probably my, uh, some of my favorite time of the day. Uh, meetings and, and certainly uh, flex or warm up, pre-practice, stretch, whatever you guys call. There's two types of meetings you have um, at the college level, in my opinion. Um, There's going to be an install meeting, and there'll be a meeting on corrections. Um, And then you get those, the third type, where you got those two combined, where it's meetings and corrections because you're in fall camp or you're in spring ball, whatever the case may be. In my opinion, how you start it off, you got to set the tone. Uh, Me being a young coach, it's much less of a frat party than it is with some of the older guys in the profession simply because how close I am in age with these guys. So I typically set the tone as more of a disciplinarian to get control of the room, to earn the respect of the guys and to kind of push things forward. Now, with that being said, setting the tone doesn't mean I'm coming in and I'm this military guy and I'm, I'm, I'm banging the hammer down. No, I just want the guys to understand and to know how serious i take the game of football and I want them to do it the same. So when you come into my meeting room, you're gonna have shoes. I'm not gonna allow you to wear flip flops. You're gonna sit up straight. <clears throat> you're gonna have your back against the chair. You're gonna have two feet on the floor. By doing this, they know I'm straightforward and I'm strict. And also with that, I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna teach as if they were sitting in some type of lecture on campus because I want them to know that it's dead serious for me. Number two, you wanna make things about players. It has to be about them, right? understand we are coaches we're titled as coaches but the main thing is teaching right you got to have the ability to teach so when I say make it about the players I don't care what type of buzzword you've learned at any clinic I don't care how great you think your philosophy is if you don't make it about the players and you're not teaching them then you're wasting your time it's all fluff because you're trying to take your meetings and carry it out to the field if they can't do that and you didn't make it about them and you didn't, you didn't attack it in the right way, in my opinion. Keeping it short, time is everything. Time, time, time is everything. And the further we get ahead in this generation, the more antsy they get, the more lack of attention to detail and that they, they, just, they just can't focus, can't lock in and, and the time is everything. We gotta keep it short. The reason I say keep it short is because they have a middle block. Guys are going to lock in for maybe 40, 45 minutes. If you, if you go prolong that, i tell you myself, I'll lose my train of thought and I'll block off. So I try to keep meetings short. I encourage you to keep them short. And again, bring bringing energy. Going back to my set the tone piece. High energy in the meeting room is how I am. I'm going to bring it. I'm going to be fired up. I'm going to be juiced up because I want them to know I love it. So big key factors here. Keep it short, make it about the players, and set the freaking time.
0: That clip from Coach Walker was from the Lawrence First and Goal Clinic. That clinic is coming up March 3rd through the 5th. Right now there's over 120 speakers who have volunteered their time from the college and NFL level. Another outstanding lineup of coaches, and these guys really come to deliver. If you attended that one last year, There certainly is the spirit of giving. So there's so much you can pick up from this single clinic. Go to lfgf2022.coachesclinic.com to register. Save money when you bring uh, your staff. The staff pass makes it very affordable per coach to be able to attend and for all your coaches to be able to take something away. There's something really for everybody here with all these speakers willing to donate their knowledge to helping a good cause. Check that out at lfgf2022.coachesclinic.com. Thanks again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Gravowski.